Hi, family. We're in part two of our three-part series of Philippians chapter three, verses 11 through 21. So grab your Bible, because we are going verse by verse to learn what God has to say to us today. Hey, family. Welcome to God's Word, Transforming Lives. Are you ready to dive deeper into your walk with Christ? Do you desire to learn His Word with a greater understanding that applies to your daily living? Do you feel like you're in a vicious cycle of victory and defeat? My name is Amy, and friend, I was so frustrated with my faith walk for decades. No matter what I did, I could not escape the symptoms that trauma from my childhood left me with. Not only that, I didn't seem to experience any victory that I read about in the Word of God. And even worse, I couldn't see it or experience it in my church life either. It all left me feeling even more confused and more empty. I knew Christ was the way and the truth and the life, and I knew His Word was the answer. So finally one day, I got fed up with living in defeat, and I became determined to find the Jesus of Scripture. I discovered true faith in Christ and had to unlearn much of what I had been taught. With God's Word and His Spirit, I have been free from anxiety, post-traumatic stress disorder, depression, and suicidal thoughts for almost 15 years, and I have learned a tool set to overcome my past trauma and losses. God's Word has transformed my life. If you are ready for truth and transformation, then hop into the slow cooker with me and let's marinate together in God's Word. Did you know I have a free sisterhood community of women just like you? Women who love Jesus and they love one another. They too are looking for that deeper walk with Christ and they love learning his word. If you pause right now and click the link below in the show notes, it'll take you right to the Facebook group. We look forward to getting to know you. All right. So now we're going to go on to verse 16. Nevertheless, we're in Philippians chapter three, starting in verse 16. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. So again, going back to what we just finished in the last teaching was being of the same mind of maturity that we have a job to do. We've been called, we've been chosen for for an upward calling. We are on, we are in a race. We are running towards a prize. We are like athletes. We are supposed to be training for this. We should be Build in his word. We speed around like, like-minded believers and in, um, you know, letting iron sharpen iron, you know, athletes, they train together. They're what they, they, they help each other. They got, they got trainers, they got coaches, they've got everything that they need in order to be better, to get stronger, to be able to stay on this, on, on the race, to stay laser focused. They have people all rallying all around them to help them to, you know, and when they're having a hard time, well, this is what you need to do. Uh, you need to maybe uh, eat more chicken or, you know, we're going to work on the, your lower body strength or your upper body strength, or we got to change your mindset, right? That's what it is, guys. We're in this race together. And we are on this race together and we'd be cheering each other on and coaching each other and helping one another and, and, and being there for each other, picking each other up when one falls and carrying each other. If one breaks an ankle and I'm, well, come on, I'm going to help carry you to get you to that finish line. 
He says, we need to come in one mind on this. And this, and this one mind is the maturity. We've got to grow up in our Christianity. We got to stop playing around with breast milk. We got to start chewing on some meat here. We got to learn doctrine, learn theology, know the word of God for ourselves. We need to understand that a biblical worldview standing on a biblical worldview is going to cause you to be persecuted and suffer in today's age. Standing for the truth is not going to win you a lot of friends and could cost you family members and friends or jobs, but we have to stand on a biblical worldview. We're also to be walking in love and and, and unity. This is a sign of maturity is that a body of believers can come together, think of each other greater than each other's self, submit to one another, submit to the authority that God has placed, submit to what God is trying to do in that, among that body, use your gifts and your calling to better that body, to strengthen that body so that the world can see the people group that love one another that are unified under the head, which is Jesus Christ, by being submitted to him and then submitted to one another, loving each other. This is how you see, this is how you know if Christians are truly mature. Maturity, husbands are loving their wives as Christ loves the church. Women are submitting and honoring and respecting their husbands, raising up the children in the way that they should go. This is a sign that there's maturity. Maturity is understanding that your life is no longer your own. You've been bought with a price. Maturity is understanding that um, when false teachers come in and you know the word of God and you don't, you're not being swayed by every wind of doctrine. You're not being tossed to and fro. You're not being deceived by doctrines of demons. Sign of maturity is that you know the word and that you stand on a biblical, biblical truth and that the word of God is your final authority and not your feelings and not your experiences and not these false teachers and these false teachings. Paul was talking about false teachers and false teachings and why they need to come into one mind here and in agreement and unity to fight against their false teachings and their false theologies because they were bringing destruction into the body of Christ, just as they are bringing destruction today into the body of Christ. Verse 17, brethren, he uses this word, I think, for the first time here in Philippians. He's using it right now for the first time. He hasn't said, he hasn't called them brothers and sisters yet. He's saying family. We are family. Join in following my example and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. He's saying, listen, we are brothers and sisters. I have not yet been perfected, but I am mature and you can follow my example. Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And Paul yet knowing he's not sinless perfection, knowing he's not yet attained, knowing he's not perfected, can still look at this body of believers and say to them, you can imitate me as I imitate Christ. He understood that he's not. Don't imitate his imperfections, but imitate the Christ in him. The fact that he has laid his life down for the body of Christ, the fact that he has walked away from his past and the things of his past, the fact that he is pouring himself out like a cup offering for the body of Christ. Example of that he walks in joy and contentment in every circumstance. The fact that he stands on sola scriptura and scripture alone. There is only one gospel and that he stands against every other false gospel that's tearing down the precious body of Jesus Christ, including these Judaizers that had crept in and these Gnostics that had crept in with their pagan philosophies. And so he says, you you need to find people in your life. And he says, 
as you for us as a pattern, us. So it's not just Paul, there's Timothy, there's Ephroditus, there's Barnabas, there's Peter. There's all kinds of examples in his day, people they can imitate. And there are godly, beautiful examples in our day, people that we can imitate. Mature Titus men and women, elders of our faith that are true elders that meet the biblical qualifications and that are teaching the word of God in truth. And we need to find those people and we need to surround ourselves with those people. And they, they are going to be, they are going to be obedient to the word of God. They are going to be, um, you know, serving and living by an example of washing people's feet, loving people. They're going to have a joy about them. They're going to have a peace about them, no matter what they're going through. And they're going to be the same behind closed doors as they are in public. And the only way to know that is by being in people's lives, full immersion, right? But you, we need, you need older, tightest women who know the word of God, who can help train you up and disciple you. And men need older men who are loving their wives as Christ loves the church, who train, who have trained their children the way they should go, who are leading their homes in a godly manner, who stand on a biblical worldview, to also train up the men. And we need to submit to one another and trust one another that we have each other's best interests at heart. And that's what Paul is saying here. I have your best interest at heart. I'm following hard after Jesus. You can imitate my life. And then if there is something that Paul has fallen short on, they can also lovingly bring correction because no one has it perfect. We all see through that smoky mirror, right? And if there's something that's not, there's something that's amiss, then we just lovingly tell each other, hey, I'm kind of concerned about this one area in your life. And we should be able to take it with humility and, 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 and say, yeah, thank you for pointing that out. I needed some accountability there. You know, we're so afraid to like talk to one another and, and help each other. Um, because I think we've all gone through the place where we've tried that and, you know, people take it as criticism and then they shun you or whatever, but we need one another. Iron sharpens iron. We need to labor among the scriptures together and hold each other accountable and help mature each other and help perfect one another so that when we meet our glorious savior, we are where we should be in our walk and our sanctification walk. This is really important. You guys discipleship, this is discipleship. Discipleship isn't just getting with somebody like, you know, for an hour, once in a while, discipleship is truly, you know, being in each other's lives and knowing one another and helping each other. It's living life out together as that example Paul lived with these people for a while when he was building this church. He was with the church of in Ephesians. He was in the church of Ephesus, um, according to Acts chapter 20, for like three years. Every day, he said, day and night, and he so that he could present the whole gospel of Jesus Christ. It truly is family and community that we disciple one another. 18, for many walk of whom I tell you weeping, I tell you even weeping, this is a present tense. Paul is literally crying right now as he's writing this letter. I've done that. I'm sure you've done that where you, or you, you are teaching something or talking to somebody and, or you're writing something and you're just crying and they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. This did not please Paul to have to say that these men 
these people that have crept into the church, these Judaizers that were trying to tell these people that they had now had to keep laws, that they had to add something to salvation, that it's now Christ plus something else. Anybody who comes to you and says it's Christ plus something, it's Christ plus baptism, it's Christ plus tongues, it's Christ plus communion, it's Christ plus tithing, it's Christ plus showing up to church every time the doors are open, it's Christ plus Saturday Sabbath worship, it's Christ plus you have to say Yeshua, you can't say Jesus, it's Christ plus anything, you're teaching a false gospel and they are enemies of the cross. Anyone that comes to you and says, yes, it's Christ, plus you have to get more revelation. You need greater understanding of the scriptures. And the only way you're going to get that is through some sort of mystical revelation that God's going to give it to you so that you can see greater into the scriptures instead of what the scriptures just plainly teach and say. That's the Gnosticism that Paul was dealing with. Anybody who says to you that you can profess Christ, but still live any way you want, any way that your heart desires is a, is a form of Gnosticism. If they say that you, you know, don't have to stop having sex outside of marriage. You, you don't need to uh, stop doing drugs and alcohol. There isn't, there doesn't need to be a transformation. You know, yes, God come as you are. God does change us. We become born again. And it's the relationship that we once had with sin and sinful things. We no longer have the, the sinful, um, we no longer have that relationship. We now hate what God hates and love what God loves. Do we still get thoughts? Yeah. Do we still stumble at times? You betcha. But it grieves us greatly. It, we do not, we do not um, justify our sin. Born again believer doesn't justify why it's okay to live with their boyfriend and girlfriend. They don't justify why it's okay to have sex outside of marriage. They don't justify why it's okay to remain in a, in a um, homosexual relationship or an unhealthy heterosexual sexual relationship. They don't justify, you know, adultery or murder or lying, or drunkenness, or lewdness. Those things are not supposed to be named among us anymore. We we put those things in our past, and we're now looking to the future, which is Christ Jesus. And so the things in which kept us from God, the things that he that nailed him to the cross, are now things that we are putting away. We're no longer children, right? We're, we're no longer sinners. We're now saints. And so we're putting away these things that caused us to first meet a savior that was nailed to the cross for us. And so Paul is weeping because these false teachers have crept in and the false teachers are such a destruction to the body of Christ. They shipwreck the faith of people. They um, lead people to hell with them. The blind leads the blind. And then they can also get believers off track for a season for deception. And then in, in they're losing, they're not gaining the ground they could be gaining in this race because they're off track following false teachings. Now I do believe the good shepherd, if they're truly his, will get them back out of that, but it can take you off track for a hot minute. I've been there, done that. So he's crying and we need to have that heart of weeping for souls. Nothing, you know, false teachers anger me greatly. They, um, it, it, it drives me crazy as somebody who loves the word of God so much and someone who loves Jesus so much and loves the Jesus of scripture. Also someone who was trapped in those false teachings and with those false teachers and how it derailed me for so long. And then seeing people I love being, um, carried away by these doctrines of demons and these false teachings 
it all grieves me greatly. And I, and I get, I get angry at the teachers and I, and I cry and weep for those that are caught in their destruction and in their path. But at the end of the day, I also need to be weeping for these teachers because if they do not, if that strong delusion that's been put upon them in second Thessalonians chapter two, verses nine through 11, because they refuse to believe the truth. So God put them under a strong delusion that they might believe that they're actually saved when they're not. They think that they're true teachers of the gospel when they're really not, they're going to end up in hellfire forever. And that should make us weep because we should not want to see not one soul, no one, even enemies of the cross. We do not want to see them in hell. But only God can save them. Only God can lift that delusion that he's put them under. And so we need to be weeping for souls, praying for souls, praying for the teachers that are teaching and leading them and praying for the ones that are caught up in it. When you read Jude, I think it's Jude 20. It talks about having compassion to try to get those people up and out of, to have compassion on the, those that are following these false teachers, to, to not to not be angry with them, but have compassion that hopefully we can help by loving them, giving them truth and help get them out, help them escape with our job. So as people who have biblical worldview and are truth tellers and were to proclaim and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, we need to also be a part of helping people escape these false teachers and these false teachings. And we need to do it in love and humility and meekness. And there should be some weeping going on. Get in our prayer closets, get in our, get in our time with God and pray for these souls, pray for these false teachers, pray for what's happening to the church. And cry out to God for mercy and wisdom and strength and to be imitators of Paul. So we can imitate Paul because we have his writings that we can read about Paul and learn about Paul. And so we too, 2,000 years later, can imitate Paul as he imitates Christ. Amen. I love you guys so much. God bless you. Family, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If it has blessed you in any way, would you give me 30 seconds and share it with a friend of yours? One more small little favor, if you would, head over to whatever podcast source you're listening to this on and give me a five-star review. That would be so great. It helps get the episodes out there to other people who may be wanting to learn God's word. Again, don't forget, guys, until next time, it is a crockpot faith, not a microwave. With God's word, discipleship, and patience, you too will be transformed for his good work. Grace and peace, I leave with you until next time.